0: <laughs> Didn't give Kyle any slack on that one. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. For those that are in here from the life group class, I missed you all, but I was in here with the service. Thank you, Mike, for taking over, because you're, you're going to be mad at me here as we get on a little farther. Mike's going to be a little upset, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. So, at the beginning of the year, Micah, Micah Pastor Micah asked me, if I would like to share my word for the year, which the last few years he's done. And as usual for me, when I'm thinking or praying about asking God for the word of the year, it tends to come back as a word that requires some work on my part. It's an area that I'm deficient in, I'm struggling in or something to that effect. So as I was praying and, and talking to God, The word worship is what he gave me, and as we're going to see, uh, I would say that if uh, George Barna came in, that's a guy, they do a lot of Christian surveys, uh, asking Christians what they think about uh, biblical ideas. I would think if Mr. Barna came in and asked us all or asked everybody in the church, what is worship? I think the two primary answers would either be it's the time that we sing to God during a service or even as we label it, the worship service. So the time that we're in here Sunday morning from, you know, 930 till noon or whatever time we're here, that would be worship. And so as I was looking into and studying, oh, I realized that word of the year is, is a tough thing to do because like Jordan and I were talking about this morning, You're taking a word that God is directing at you and trying to relay it to everybody in a more general sense. And with that, I'll say the caveat that if if any toes are stepped on, understand two things. That one, nowhere in my preparation did God say, You need to say this so that somebody can hear this. It was never, nobody's face ever came to mind as I was studying this. And that two, as I was preparing, And now as I'm sharing with you my word for the year, there's a big mirror right here as I'm talking to myself. Because again, this is the word that God gave me for the year. I just hope that through uh, him talking to me that maybe we all as a group can pick up some things in the form of worship. So like I said, most of us would probably consider worship that time when we sing or the time that we're in church. And I'm going to say that I believe worship is constant, and we'll look at a couple things uh, throughout this morning to see that. So one thing I like to do when I'm specifically talking about a word is get the definition of the word. In this case, I got it from dictionary.com for two reasons, kind of give us a starting point. And then number two, the dictionary is so inadequate to describe things of God, but it's not meant to do that. Uh, So it, it... I use it just again to get us started. So definition of worship, according to dictionary.com, reverent honor and homage paid to God, which I was kind of impressed that it specifically said God and not a God, but um, or a sacred personage, and here's where it continues on, or, in, or to any object, or object regarded as sacred. Easier said than done, I guess. Um, so there's just a definition. So it is reverent honor and homage as we pay to God. But again, my focus is going to be on the fact that worship does, shouldn't just occur during a, uh, a specific time frame or a little window of time. And a quote that came up, for those of you that know me, I just got Facebook last, this month for specific reasons, not because um, I, as you'll see, I don't post much. I don't want to argue my politics. I don't want to argue my religion. I just like to keep up with people. And there's some things that I wanted to follow. But in getting Facebook, uh, Nora posted something that you'll see up on the screen. And as I was studying for it, it no, it, it's, uh, it hit the nail right on the head. It's not a 20-minute period during our worship service. It's our lifestyle. Or... Uh, correctly, it should be our lifestyle. So, as we go through today, that's what I want to look at, is is that everything we do, if handled correctly, can be a form of worship to God. It's not just the time we spend together, not just our time in life groups, not just when we're singing, uh, that those are the times that we're worshiping. We should be able to, and we should be worshiping constantly. And as we get... Um, further through the sermon, I'll tell you that I started out with just the first portion, which is called private worship or things we do ourselves. Uh, because ultimately, I wound up that was going to be easier for me to, to talk about because it didn't focus on me as much. But we're going to do at the end, we're going to also add corporate worship when we're talking about the singing, because quite frankly, that's an area where I'm fairly deficient when it comes to me worshiping God during those times of singing so I always wondered about you know when Micah says he had this lesson planned and being his brother-in-law and spending a lot of time at church I know how much time he puts into lessons but then he he'll say as I was preparing at the last minute God added or changed or turned the direction I was like how do you do that you spent all this time and that's what God did to me you know I put all the time into it and then he kind of added to what I was going to do so if it's a little choppy I apologize but I feel that, that that's what God wants me to share with you guys. So, as you noticed on the first slide, if you did, John chapter 4. Uh, this is the verse that I'm, I'm using for my word for the year. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through that verse. It's more of a topical sermon that I'm giving as opposed to uh, line by line. But I do want to read this section. Um, it's where the, the woman from Samaria was coming out to get water, and Jesus questioned her, and she was truthful. In her answer and when jesus said i know you're being truthful and tells her about her life history she realized who he was and he says uh, she asked about worship and um, jesus responds to her in verse 21 so john chapter 4 verse 21 jesus said to her woman believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem will you worship the father you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the jews but the hour is coming and is now here When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Um, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And uh, since I prepared this, I haven't had the time to go through the whole Bible, but scholars uh, say that this is the only instance in Scripture where God seeks after something from one of his children. So it says, God is seeking worship. To me, that puts a little emphasis on it and says it's something that's probably pretty important. So, as we dive into worship, let's uh, go ahead and open with some prayer. God, I just again thank you for today, for the blessings that you've given us, from the simple blessings of the breath of life, God, to, to those that are just unspeakable. God, I thank you for a roof, a place to be able to worship, God, I just ask now that as we speak about worship, as, as you um, ask us to do, Lord, that we will be faithful to focus on you and to make worship a, a key part of our daily lives. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, again, I'm going to look at sort of two avenues for worship. One is private. And when I say private, that doesn't mean solely in your prayer closet. Uh, it means things you do yourself that you're not... Things you can do yourself, people will see them, but they're for. But it's between you and God, as we will see. Corporate worship should be as well, but we'll we'll focus on that here in a little bit. So, how can we, as Christians, um, and we'll go on that. The fact that each one of us in here is saved, and if not, I encourage you to talk to one of us, anybody here in the church, if uh, if you feel that there's any question that you are saved and a child of God. But moving on. So, with uh, how can we worship God. And I start with actions, things that we do. And we'll just kind of look over these. I, Mike and, and Jordan and Micah all like to argue over how many points they have. I have no idea. I got some numbers and letters in an outline. Uh, so if you want to count them up, Mike, and see who wins or loses, that's up to you. But um, so we've most of us have heard a preacher or somebody we know say, you need to invest your time, treasures, and talents. So that's what we're going to look at here to begin with. So our time. And I've got up there, one of the first things is church attendance, which is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you hear a lot of, not a lot of people, but sometimes I've heard from family and friends that I don't need to come to church. My worship with God is just between me and him. Church is not necessary. There's no real reason to be there. I can do this on my own. Uh, that, that is not the case. Um, that's not what I'm here to, to talk about today. But church attendance is very important. But I would, I would ask you, as because I'm asking myself, hopefully throughout the rest of the year, why are you here? Are you here because it's something that you feel you have to do so that you have a little checkbox? And don't get me wrong, there are days when I'm just done and sometimes it gets to that. I, I I regret to say that, but sometimes it's just like, you know what, I'm supposed to be here, God, I'm just gonna show up. And ironically enough, a lot of times that's when I get ministered to the most. When I come just because I need to be there, but I don't stop. I, I let the Spirit work on me. I let others speak into my life. But a caveat that I wanna, you know, I want us to all think about is why are we coming to church? What are we doing here? Is it here because Others can see us, and that way we'll be known that we've been to church? Or is it because we're focusing on God and we want to be here to spend time with God and we want to worship Him? And as I was thinking about our church attendance, and you see up there evangelism, I've heard many times... Let me back up. So most of us in here have probably taken the spiritual gifts test. There's tests out there that... You take and answer the questions, and it gives you, it kind of helps you line up towards your spiritual gifts. And so I think a lot of times we get those, and we think that's all that we're called to do. All we can do is what that little test says that we're good at. But I would ask you two questions. One, if you're coming to church regularly, in a, poor, or in a good spirit worshiping God, are you using that gift? That would be the first question. Are you taking what God has gifted you with? But then two, are you doing the things that don't require a gift? Sharing God's word does not require a gift. It is a story that you can tell. Now, I understand a lot of people don't like to speak in public or to other people. I know firsthand if it was up to me, uh, I would just be in my patrol car by myself not talking to people. That's just how I'm built. I've had to work through that. That's not a good way to be, but um, we can all talk to other people. We've all done it this morning. We'll do it the rest of the day. And in those conversations, we can share. So when I say your time, I'm not talking about inactive time, just showing up, parking yourself in these pews, listening to a sermon, a few songs, and going home. I'm talking about investing your time in the things of God. It can be hard. I understand that. We all have jobs. We all have kids—not all of us, but many of us have jobs, kids, grandkids—all these things that just pull at our time. They they drag us each way, and this way and that. But part of what God is showing me is I need to put that beside, behind, or whatever, and focus my time towards worshiping Him. And that can be—that doesn't mean that I just sit and worship God. That means in my actions, in my service to the church is one way that i can do it uh, and when i talk about evangelism not being a, an option if if you want to look at look at it just matthew 28 the great commission um, i i don't read that at all to say if your spiritual gift is evangelism please go share the gospel i read it as you need to go you need to make disciples and uh, and share and and i say that confidently but i also say that knowing that i i i lack in that area just going out and talking to people for whatever reasons, and none of us want to have a door shut in our face or somebody to say, I really don't want to talk about what you're talking about. But I have to remind myself, who are they rejecting? Is it me? No, I'm telling the story about eternal salvation. If they don't want to hear it, as sad as that is, I can't change that. So, our time. We'll also use our talents. Um, and talents, in being here, I guess, Kelly and I met in 98. And it took us a while, even after we got married, because I wanted to go to the church I wanted to go to. I didn't want to be, you know, in a church she had grown up in. Ultimately, we wound up coming back here. So it's probably been 16, 17 years that I've been coming here. And I've seen all kinds of people come in and out, all kinds of talents. Some people will use their talents, some won't. But if we're truly worshiping God, it shouldn't be a burden for us to help in different areas where we're talented. Teachers. We have those that can teach. Um, I tell you, I'm not a good teacher, but I love leading. I don't even want to say teaching, per se, but leading our Sunday school or life group. I still have trouble with the wording, but whatever we want to call it. Um, I, I enjoy facilitating is probably the best word, that meeting, because people in like groups come together, and we worship God. We worship God by learning from each other. We worship God by sharing each other's burdens I was just talking to a member this morning where it is amazing when people are in certain situations that there's always somebody who has been there and done that and can say, this is how, no, Brother Curtis, this is how you can get through this. This is how I've gotten through this. Or come talk to me, and I'll help you get through this because I've been there. Uh, Jordan mentioned in the, um, the, the announcements a work day. You know, some of us are talented with our hands, me not being one of them. Um, I don't build things. I tear things down really well. So if you need help tearing something down, give me a call. If it's supposed to stay together and not break, I wouldn't be the one you'd want to look at. But, you know, again, it, it can be seen as such a drudgery to, oh, goodness, another work day. we got to go paint this or clean this. But if we do it in that spirit of worship, we're, we're, we're giving to God. We're giving of ourselves to God in order to worship him. And then if you don't know what you're good at or where you can help, there's a ministry list. I know Brother Steve mentioned it. I don't remember if Jordan did, but we have a ministry list back there in the foyer. All kinds of things that we can be doing. All of us are different. We have different areas that we can minister in. So please, all all that with the, the, the time and the talent to say this, please don't make this about filling a seat in the pew once, twice, three times a week. Please make this about worshiping God and plugging yourself in. I guarantee you that you will be blessed in that. Um, And and maybe not so much right away or in the near future, but it's worth it and it's worshiping uh, worshiping our creator. So then we'll go to the third one, and please, everybody, don't grab your wallet and run. We've already had the offering, so I'm not going to re-ask for any money. Being the treasurer, this one, you know, people get a little scared, but We are called to give of our treasure as well. Um, God has blessed most of us, if not all of us, with some kind of income, some kind of money. Uh, I can tell you from experience, the lights don't stay on by themselves. Um, Salaries don't get paid by themselves. It requires the church giving. And I say that, and uh, I've always, not always, but there's there's an argument or a discussion over what tithing should be or what giving should be you have the old testament where it was really clear it was usually it was a tenth you know god required a tenth whatever it was Um, and then you move to the new testament and it doesn't say you should give a tenth but it says to be a cheerful giver what i like to do is look way way back in the beginning if you go to genesis chapter four if you got your bibles you can flip there genesis chapter four god has created the earth he has seen that everything was good And Adam, except Adam didn't have a helper, he creates Eve. And then the unfortunate fall happens. And now we hear the first of the first births given by Eve of Cain and Abel. So Adam, Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew his Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. The Lord had great regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So, in talking about the offering, what is the difference? Why was Abel's offering basically accepted and Cain's wasn't? Well, the first thing that pops up that you would think well, because Abel gave sheep and Cain only gave vegetables, or Uh, you know, stuff from the land. That's not the case. It wasn't a matter of what was given, but how it was given. Cain gave some of his labor, uh, the fruit of his ground, but Abel brought the first fruits. He gave the best, the first of what he had. And so you have that difference in that it wasn't what was given, but how, the heart behind giving it. So when I talk about giving of your treasure... It is a very personal thing. I'm not going to get up here and say we need to start collecting W-2s and you got to give 10% and all that stuff. That's not what I'm trying to get at. But um, I want us to understand that God demands the first of everything of us. Um, And that may sound harsh or that may sound inconsiderate or it may sound demanding, but it's our creator. It's the God that sent his son for us. He deserves no less again saying all that um and then reminding us that and there's a couple other examples in here i understand that we're not going to be struck down over our tithe like ananias and sapphira were but we also got to remember that lying to god is very it's offensive to him um in the book of acts Acts chapter 5 if you want to look it up where they're talking about giving of their selling of the land and they were struck dead because they lied about what they gave again i'm not saying you're going to die if you don't give to the church please don't I just want to give examples that you can look at as you're, as you're talking to God, deciding what it is He wants you to, to contribute. So, we worship with our actions. We also worship Him in our personal relationship, and this is one. Initially, that, um, I was gonna, I, don't know, I was going to, but this is one I struggle with. In making the time for quiet time. I don't have issues as much making time to serve, a.k.a. the actions that we talked about. But the personal relationship is, is where I need to improve uh, from a personal level. But there's several things that we can do to build our personal relationship. It all revolves around the Bible. Uh, I will tell you, you can't know God or have a relationship with him if this thing is not part of your study, your time with God. This tells us everything to know about him that we need to know. It doesn't tell everything. Uh, There are mysteries. God, if he revealed all to us about himself, our heads would probably literally explode. They just can't handle what God is. But he gives us everything that we need to know to make it through this life. Um, And it talks about quiet time. And that's where, Mike, uh, this is where you might get mad at me. Mike and I have been doing a discipleship together through this book. It's called Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. Next week, Mike, is worship. But I saw that while I was studying, and so I've went ahead. I've cheated and gone ahead. So you need to catch up, and we'll catch up on Thursday, but regardless. um, So in the book, when he talks about worship in quiet time, I think a lot of times we try it as a people to make a little box that you have to fit in, and if you don't follow this box just right, then you're doing something wrong. And I say that in... Some people, some of you all probably get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you're ready to go. Maybe 6 o'clock, whatever it is. I know Kelly and I, we have a constant, not battle, it's not a fight or anything, but when Kelly wakes up, she is up and she's going. She's ready to do things, it's time to go. 30 minutes after I've hit the snooze button four times and she's ready to do something and she's already been working for 30 minutes, she's frustrated that I'm still fighting the snooze button and even when I do set up you know, 15, 20 minutes to get the cobwebs out. So I say that to say this. For the two of us, would it be better for her quiet time to be first thing when she wakes up? Probably because she wakes up ready to go. For me, that would probably wind up with me just nodding off and falling asleep. It is absolutely imperative to have a quiet time. That is not an option. However, when you have it needs to be your best. When can you be at your best for God to talk to him, to learn from him, to listen to him? So, um, we have quiet time. And when I think about quiet time, uh, Mark chapter 12 came to mind, the greatest commandment. When Jesus is asked, What is the greatest commandment? And no matter how many times I read this, it's still, I learn from it every time. But Mark 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, and with all your strength. There's nothing left, guys. That's pretty much all we can offer. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. So as we're... And maybe you guys have your quiet time rocked out and you're in it when you're supposed to be all the time. But for those of us that struggle, when we're there, this is what we need to be contributing to our quiet time. All of our mind, all of our heart soul and our strength uh, and, and I believe that our worship will just naturally develop out of that prayer uh, you know prayer we're, we're given examples um, but I like to in, in quiet time take the Psalms and read those to God it helps me to, enter, to internalize them and then also to, uh, to focus and I'm just going to read a couple, if you're in the Psalms, great. Psalms 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, again, just reminders of how we should be when we're in our quiet time, when we're in our prayer time. Flipping over to Psalm seven, seventeen. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Psalm chapter 9. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. In those times when you just have nothing to say, it seems like the world has just completely taken you out. Here's a a fairly simple way to talk to God, to to recount the things that he's done um, from guys like David that have been there, that have seen the worst of the worst and yet still recall to their mind um, the things of the Lord. Also in our personal relationship, obedience. That's a tough one, especially for you youngins down here listening, obeying, um, You know i don't think any of us like to be to do what we're told as a natural reflex we want to have our own ways we want to do things our own ways and as i was um as i was looking i I know that as a father i'm proud when rj listens especially when it's when i'm not there you know that's the best time when nobody's looking what is rj doing if it's what i've asked him to do or taught him to do that's great. And the same way with us, we should always be obeying God. The difference is God is never not looking. He always knows what we're doing. But, and and I I didn't realize this in John chapter 3, verse 36. It's a very, very somber addressing of being obedient. John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. We've got no problem with that. Um... But whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I want to clarify that I'm not what the Bible is not saying, and what I'm not indicating or saying is that if you mess up and don't listen, you're done. That is not the Bible. God is gracious, God is merciful. Uh, we can be forgiven for our mistakes. But if your life is constant disobedience to the Word of God, You're not saved. It's it's very simply written there. So if all your life is focused on disobedience to God, you really need to to, uh, check your perspective, see where you're at. Again, I'm not saying that if you make a mistake, it's all over. Please don't take that. Also in our private worship, and this one, again, is what I was talking about. I don't want everybody to think that I'm going off the deep end, but part of our worship is sacrificial. Um, The first thing that I have here is the things of the world the rich young ruler we have the story where he shows up and he says God what does it take to Jesus what does it take to get into heaven and uh, for sake of time uh, the verses are up there if you want to read Luke 18 through 30 so Jesus asks him you know, or says you know, what are you supposed to do well don't murder don't steal don't commit adultery and, and the you rulers like I've done all these things That's great I can I can uh, get into heaven he's like well no take all you have and sell it and then follow me and the ruler can't do it because he can't give up his stuff. Now, again, I'm not up here saying, hey, everybody, take all your money, everything you owe, sign all the titles over to the church and put it right here and let's all live broke. That's not the call that we're given. But are you willing to do that if that's what God called you to do? Are we willing to give up everything that this world has to offer in order to follow Christ in an act of worship or follow God? Also, sacrificially, our family. And I put up there Genesis 22, 1 through 10, the story of Abraham taking Isaac to sacrifice his son without missing a beat. Uh, The son that he had been waiting for, that him and Sarah had at such a late age, God tells him to go sacrifice him. And he loads up and goes to the point he's got the knife ready to go before God stops him. Again, I'm not saying we're going to have to sacrifice our kids and, and give them up for slaughter, but what I am saying is... If R.J. comes to me when he's 18, 19 years old and says, Dad, I've been called to go to a country that hates Christians to witness, am I going to say, no, that's not what God's telling you to do, R.J., that's dangerous? Or am I going to say that's where God's calling you to go, and am I going to let him go? Are we able to do that? Are we able to worship God in such a way that we can give him our children in that respect? And then finally, I have here our lives, and we know the story of Stephen as he's preaching and the, the people of of the the day, that, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear what he has to say, and so they stone him for it. And this is where we see, you know, the, kind of the highlight of where Paul was when he was Saul, just overseeing and and putting his blessing on the killing of Christians. Again, I, I, we are very fortunate to live in a country where this is very unlikely to be the case. That you're called to give your life for the service, you know, for what you believe. However, comma, if in your In your worship of God, he tells you you need to go to those countries. You need to move to India or China or Pakistan where it's very dangerous for Christians. Are we going to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me? Or are we going to say, nah? that's not really what you're saying, God. You don't want me to do that. Are we willing to get out of our little comfort zones if we're called and give sacrificially to worship God? All right, so then we come to the second part, if you will, corporate worship. And when I say that, I am referring specifically to the part where we're in here together, worshiping God in song um, and in spirit and in truth. So we've already talked about it. And this is an easy one. You know, If you were trying to get an easy answer or Sunday school answer, I said, what is the focus of our worship? Or better said, who is the focus of our worship? Who should it be? We'd all raise our hands and say, God should be the focus of our worship. However, if you go to the next slide, um, This is from this book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, when he's talking about worship. Why do we worship? Is it for God or for man? The unspoken but increasingly common assumption of today's Christendom is that worship is primarily for us to meet our needs. Such worship services are entertainment-focused, and the worshipers are uncommitted spectators who are silently grading the performance. Um, and, And I say that hopefully not in an accusatory way because I've been there before I've done that. You know, I don't like this song. This song's not easy to sing. I'll be out of tune. It won't make sense. I like this instrument over that instrument. Whatever it is, I don't know if we've all been there, but I sure have. And the point being, if we are focused on worshiping God, all that is in essence background noise. Now, does the music help bring us to a spirit of worship? Sure. Um, Is it help bring the community together in one song? Sure. But if it becomes like this quote where all you can think about is how the person next to you sounds, or for me, it wasn't the person next to me. It's how do I sound? You know, I'm more worried about what people think about my being. And I'm out of tune. I know it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that I I can carry a tune, however, comma, it shouldn't matter. The ultimate point is I'm worshiping God. I shouldn't be tied up with what I sound like or what the person next to me thinks that I sound like. So, uh, kind of in closing, if you will, and this is, again, from the, the book that Mike and I are doing as far as um, a weekly discipleship. And I encourage you, if you, if you don't have somebody that you can be honest with, and hold accountable, look for that. Try and find that. Uh, as Mike and I have found, it's time becomes an issue, but you gotta, you got to battle through it. Um, but anyway, so Mr. Hughes has some things in his book uh, that can help us come here today better ready to worship. Preparation. What do I mean by that? So we've all had the mornings where you get up and I, I picked on your family earlier this morning because there's multiple children that have to be woken up, gotten dressed. How old are you, buddy, 15? 14 and how old's Briar? So three to 14, imagine that span. You got to get up, get them all ready, get them in the car. I'm sure all the conversations on the way here are just so sweet and happy I mean, I talked about Kelly and I, we wake up on different sides of the bed. Everybody comes racing into church, and then you pull into the parking lot and open the door, and what do you look like? You're ready to worship, right? No. (laughs) You're not ready to worship. And it starts the night before. The preparation begins the night before. And, And Mr. Hughes has a list, you know. Especially for kids, but also for yourself. Get stuff out of the way. Get your clothes ready that you're going to wear. Know what you're going to have for breakfast. Wake up early. Pray the night before that, you, um, that you'll be in the Spirit. There's a, I'm going to go ahead and read it. There's a quote from a Puritan uh, preacher, George Swinnick. And it's written kind of in the King James English, so it, it, bear with me. If thou wouldst thus leave thy heart with God on the Saturday night... Thou shouldest find it with him in the Lord's day morning. If you spend that Saturday night getting ready, praying to God, getting your, your spirit ready, then when you get here in the morning, it should be good. And then to avoid some of those, some of those things, um, like I said, the clothes are ready. It says here he spends time in confession, so he'll be always right with God before he gets here. You know, we come here Sunday, everything's frazzled, and that's when we take our time to get right, quote-unquote, with God. But do it the night before. These are things to prepare. Uh, He determines to go to bed early so he can be ready and and woke, as you say, in the morning. Um, He's planned on sustaining the delight of this time with Christ and people by guarding against Sunday afternoon infringements. And in my head, when I hear guarding against Sunday afternoon infringements, Um, And maybe some of us are there right now. we got to beat the so-and-sos to the buffet, the Presbyterians, the Catholic, whoever. You know, what's for lunch? Where are we supposed to be? You know, hey, Peck, you need to hurry up because i got to be somewhere at 1215. You know, do we plan our days that it crowds our worship of God? And and I don't say that, again, as if I never do stuff like that. I'm just saying things that we can be uh, preparing for. So let's say we move to Sunday morning, got up in plenty of time so I won't feel rushed. Program my morning so I will not just arrive at church on time, but get there early. Um, yeah, keep laughing, Mike. That's, uh, come to our Sunday school, and you'll see how that works out. But anyways, uh, moving on. Good breakfast, so an empty stomach will not distract me. Bible in hand, plus a pen and paper for taking notes, and I've left church with a great, sen- or I've left for church with a great sense of expectancy because I know Christ will be there. And that's the second thing he talks about: is um, to prepare and then be expectant. And this, this quote just says it all, and I'm going to leave it with this, as far as expectancy. We must come with great expectation, for we will experience just what we expect. So if you come expecting nothing, guess what you're going to get? Nothing. It's pretty. The math on that one's simple for all of you all that doesn't like math. Nothing equals nothing. Um, but anyway, so we expect. And then finally, when it comes to being here and worshiping God, you've got to come ready to work. And it talks about taking notes and writing notes down. I'm not saying you have to take notes, but you've got to discipline your mind because it's very easy, again, from personal experience, to start wandering off to something else, to wander away from the message, to think, wow, I've heard this one 326 times. Here we go again. Um, So if we prepare, we expect, and then we discipline ourselves, we focus on being a part of the worship, uh, participating in the worship, and making God our focus, I I think... Uh, overall our worship times will be improved we'll take that out of here so that our worship time with God is constant and one of the things that Mike and I talked about last week it was the discipline of prayer and he talks about being in a constant state of prayer and that's not understanding we can't do our work and be praying at the same time but We can be praying, hey, help me with this work, God. Be with me during this work. Making it a constant, uh, all of our thoughts tend to congregate towards God. If that's something we can do, one, our prayer life and our worship life would improve. So, Kyle, if you don't mind, coming on up. We'll close with that, and I thank you guys for your time.